You are the people. We are about you. We want to make sure you get to know and walk with God uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that's understandable, in a way that's loving, caring, and one that will help you grow and to be and develop into who you are. And so tonight, we continue that. We've been studying um, the last six to seven weeks now, maybe, uh, the character of God. And this was a course that we teach at Bible College and uh, really giving you an understanding of who God is and uh, some of his characteristics. And then through his names, we were able to express that. And so um, we have gone through a few of them. Just go through a few tonight. We have uh, talked about Elohim. We've talked about Jehovah. And Jehovah we've talked about in three or four different ways in his holiness and his knowledge and his sovereignty. And then we went into El Shaddai, I believe, last week. Today I'm going to talk about El Elyon. And so we're going to we're going to get into that a little bit. And uh, I talked to you about when you see the word El in front of El, it always references refers to a might, a power, a strength. And um, and as you know, we serve the great I Am, who is mighty and powerful. One of the key features, I think, for all of us and as we live our lives and walk out as who God has called us to be, it is imperative and important that we know who we are and who we are and how to do it. That's one of the things I've been uh, encouraging our team to be a part of this and this understanding of the character of God and how he operates. And so tonight we're going to continue on in that El Elyon. And that is spelled E-L-E-L-Y-O-N, and El Elyon, the Most High God, the God of the Unseen. Wow. I can reference him as El Elyon because he met me when I was unseen, but his power and his might drew me to the place of who and for me to become who I am today. That is powerful, and uh, that for those of you, if there's anybody tuning in and you don't know God yet or know him in this way, we sure he can meet you where you are. Uh, not necessarily, you know, uh, that you have to be in church. Not necessarily, you know, I've talked to so many people too when they said, you know, I'll come or I'm going to do that when I got everything right. Well, I didn't have it all right when he met me. But I'm a whole lot righter than I was now that I'm with him. Hello, somebody. That's how to be encouraging to you because let me share with you. He helped me get it right. He helped me straighten it out. He helped me get an understanding of who I am as I start to learn about who he is. And knowing that it has developed me in the character and the characteristics of the man I'm becoming. And uh, I've got a lot of people continuing on to go with him. So El Elyon, the, the name of the Most High, reveals God in revelation. Okay? And, and relation. Yes, sir. Yes. It's the most high God, the God of the unsaved. There is no excuse. You got it. Thank you for sharing that. There is no excuse for this because the same God of the saved is the God of the unsaved, but you got to make a move. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, so you have to make a move. And that's what he's calling on. So he wants you to know because he's the God of mankind. He's the God of the human race. He's the God of the universe. So here in El Elyon, he expresses himself and his characteristics to and through through the unsaved. To become saved. And I'm a living witness of that because I met God in an unsaved state. As we all should and do. But where I was and what I, and it wasn't in church because I was doing everything perfect. But where I met him at, he call, I called on him because I needed him. I was actually scared. And yet, calling on him, he, he received me. And from that day forward, I've been walking with him. You know, and things I couldn't do in my own might, I now could do through the might of God. So that his power and his strength gave me the ability to do something. So the name, the Most High, reveals God.
God in, in relation to those who are not Abraham's seed, who nevertheless possess priesthood, oh, this is good, on the order in which earlier and greater than, the than, than that of Abraham, yet not in opposition to it, in his name, you would understand how important it is for God's sake that all men be saved. So, this is this is great because tonight I can talk to everyone and talk to those that are unsaved as well as those who are saved. Because the call is for everyone to become that. Because God is interested in everybody transitioning and changing their lives and getting this understanding of what we're talking about being born again. It's the spirit man being renewed. And so, he knows that because after the fall, the only way to get it right was to invite him back into our life and allow him. Now, we yield our will over to him to be uh, uh, under his guidance and leadership. He won't force himself on you, but he has said to the unsaved, he has shown himself powerful. He has shown himself mighty. Amen? And so, uh, and we get here, one of the things that lead us here tonight is the Most High God is revealed in connection with a priest that he started in the early days in Abraham's day because Abraham comes into the, the, the knowledge of God, not as a saved and knowledgeable person. You know that? He comes into as a heathen, his father, and where they came from, he was an idol maker. So God meets him and to, through Melchizedek, connection reveals who God is. Abraham recognizes through the conversation that he had with Melchizedek that day when he goes back and meets him and King of Salem. Okay, and by, the, by the way, this king keeps a tight shadow of Jesus Christ. And Melchizedek, this king, this Salem, has never been found in this place uh, wherever it exists, but he's the king of it. Yet he comes into the presence of man and, and Abraham, a man that is called of God, yet who knows, doesn't know God in that way. He heard the voice of God. He responded to God. He started to move out, but he's yet to come into real connection and relationship with him. But watch this. So Melchizedek, the king of Salem in the day of Abraham, was the priest of the Most High God. It was after his meeting, Melchizedek, that Abraham received the knowledge of his name. In Genesis 14, 18 through 23, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. This is the first time we see communion. He, the king brings bread and wine out, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed them, and he said, Blessed be Abram. So now, you remember, so he now. Blessed be Abram of God's most high and the possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 20. And blessed be God the most high who has delivered your enemy into your hand. Now, this is immediately after Abraham goes after Lot and his people who have been taken. I want to share with you tonight the kingdom of God, the word of God, has always been about the people. Abram is the first illustration as a man used by God to go back and get other men and women of God. He's going to get Lot and his clan and all of those that were taken. And he defeats is the most phenomenal thing uh, that many, and you don't talk about a miracle, he defeats five kings. Abram and his 300 servants defeats armies of five kings. How is that possible? But according to the word of God, nothing is impossible with God. And so Abraham goes, but God is on his side, and he defeats the king. Now listen to what Melchizedek says to him. Abraham, you're blessed. You're the possessor of heaven and earth. And you've been blessed being of God the Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Abraham just experienced the deliverance of the enemies into his hand. By the way, three of the kings 
Two of them escaped, three escaped, two were left behind, and he's got them. And these kings say to him, Abram, we defeated, we know that, but listen, we got gold and we got this. We're going to pay you. <coughs> give us the people back, and we'll give you the gold. Abram said no, because he ended up taking their gold anyway. And he got the people. But in doing so, he said God delivered his enemies into his hand. He gets to experience it because why? He's in the presence of Melchizedek. <coughs> Melchizedek is representing uh, the kingdom and God himself. And I think this is significant because now Abram at this point is really unsaved. He's not. He's starting to walk with God. He's heard the voice of God. He's moving um, on behalf of some of the things of God. But now God's guiding him. And one of the things of how you grow in the Word of God is through revelation. So God is starting to share with him because God, Abram's ear is open. It says, Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me, here again, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. So he's telling him, I'll give me the people, I'll take the money. But I want you to know something. The people have always been the priority. That's right. The people are always the most important. The people who is what God has come for. Not the money, not the land, but the people. So Abel gets a revelation through Melchizedek speaking of who he is and what God's called him to do. So what we see here, Abraham immediately after Melchizedek said here that your, your enemy has been delivered into your hands, Abraham is the first mention of tithe. Tithes never existed prior to this. This is the first place. Abraham gives him a tithe of what? Of all the goods that he had just uh, inherited or taken from his enemies. So all of their spoil, all of their booty, he gave to, he gave a tithe to Melchizedek. What was he doing? He was representing the kingdom. Melchizedek gave him bread and wine. Y'all remember? That's a covenant relationship, but not only that, that is a type of shadow that Jesus uses 2,000 years later as an example of his body and his blood being shed on the back and they partaking of it. So Abraham takes partake, partakes of, a, of, of a, a communion 2,000 years before Jesus ever explains what it's about. Yet, immediately after he takes communion with Melchizedek, and Melchizedek tells him who he is. He gives these are two ordinances that are still left for the church to do: communion and time. You got it. so. Because we've created and made it routine, we made it common. And the moment you make something common, you disrespect it. You don't understand its purpose because it's just common. So a communion is not common, nor is your time common. Both of them can change the trajectory of your life. If you reverence and understand them as you partake in them, so that's important for those of you that's listening because this, again, I want to talk, my key was not to talk about the ties or the communion, but they're directly related here when Melchizedek, the king of Salem, a type of shadow of Jesus Christ, shares with Abraham 2,000 years earlier. El Elyon, the most high God, the God of the unsaved. Two principles and through revelation. 
because he takes and Abram is not out at this point that he's speaking to him and he's talking to him. He's just starting his journey. He doesn't know a lot about who God is, but he heard the voice of God and by faith he responded to the voice of God. And so, but that's it. So faith upon faith upon faith. So it's got to keep building. And Abraham is now moving in the right direction because he's moving by the voice of God. The process is something happens. And this all, thank you, Holy Ghost. We have so many things occur in our lives. But I want to share with you. Abram is on his way to follow the journey to walk with God. God tells him to leave his kinsmen. His, in other words, his family. Leave them behind. But what we know took place is he's traveling and his nephew, Lot, is with him. Lot's name means veil. Veil means covering. So Lot, in himself, based off what his name means, was a covering. In other words, something to blindfold you or to keep you from seeing. And so he goes with them and gets taken because when Abram comes to a plot of land and a place and he looks out over it, but he, out of his generosity, he says to his nephew, we've got to split up. You know, you take your people up, we'll take mine. Which land do you want? And his nephew looked out and he saw the greener grass. Oh, somebody always thinks the grass is greener on the other side. He takes the greener grass but the greener grass was closer to Sodom and Gomorrah. Hmm. So he gets where the green grass is, but he also gets lowered in to Sodom and Gomorrah to only discover he's now coming into uh, a, a hellhole, a place that just total uh, chaos and wickedness exists. And when they go in there, he goes in, they end up taking him. Y'all know the story? I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it gets even gross. He had beautiful daughters, and he said, listen. They went in, and they said, he said, listen, to the men to the men there, hey, you know, here's my daughters. He said, no, nah, we don't want your daughters. We want you. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's a whole other story. I'm not going to go there tonight. But uh, in Gomorrah, inside of Gomorrah, it gets to a place where it's just now... Uh, the total wickedness, but now they're held captive, and they go out and they captive his captive his people. So they're now being held there, and Abram knows and gets word that they're they, they're there, and he gathers three hundred of his servants to go after the people. So we just keep bringing that point up. So here we see, but Abraham says to the king of Sodom, "I have lifted my hand." So this is now, he's talking to the king of Sodom. I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God's most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, who was just, that was just confessed to him by Melchizedek. He's repeating it back because that's who God is to him. Then he says that I will take nothing from the threads of the sands and straps that I will not take anything of yours. In other words, I don't need what you have to be who I am. He says so, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I love this because he's what he's saying is, I didn't have to take that of Sodom to become mine for him to be able to say, because now this is what the king is offering. I'm going to give you this, you give me the people. He says, no, I'm not going to take what you got so that you can say that I made you rich. I'm not going to do that. But the Israel obtained knowledge of the name through Abraham's connection with Melchizedek. That's what I'm, the, the whole point again. That relationship and the connection of who Melchizedek was and what Melchizedek represented, the Most High God and the priest of the Most High God. That's what Abraham started to get an understanding. So Abraham had an understanding and the knowledge of the special nature of Melchizedek's priestly role as a priest to the Most High. How did he get that? 
through the relationship that he incurred while he was in his presence. That's why it's so important. I want to share with you, you know, getting into the presence of God, getting into the Word of God, getting back to the place where you can meet God personally. Uh, we, again, you know, just we have so many people expressing their thoughts, and we're in an age of technology and knowledge, and there's just a vast overload amount of it. But we can get a whole lot of stuff with no real relevance of truth to how it fits. You know, um, I personally don't like baggy clothes because I like my clothes to fit. And so it, it's a reference to how I think life should be. It should fit, not be just so loosely carried or thought about. So one of the things I see here in the Word of God is getting an understanding and knowledge of who God is. Started to give me a knowledge and an understanding of who I am and what's my purpose. Why am I here and what am I going to do with what I'm given? That's what I think every man and woman wants to know. But you have to discover that through the different relationships. So why I'm going through the characteristics of God is because I think these names of who he is and how he responded and acted to man and mankind is important. And so when I can identify El Elyon, the Most High God, the God of Saved, you say, well, how does that fit my life? Where are you in the presence of God right now? And what is your relationship with God? Where are you getting to hear His word or spending any time? So there's something very deep and special about the knowledge of the name of this priesthood. This is made evident from the way in which the writer of the epistles to the Hebrews introduced him. Listen to this: the writer in the epistle portion of the uh, of the of his epistle referred first to God, Elohim, who was who built all things and made them by his son. And that's Hebrews 1, 1 and 1, 2 and 3 and 4. God, Elohim, the covenant God, God who had, who at various times and in different ways spoke in different and times past to the fathers and by prophets. And in these last days spoken to us by his son. It changed, and that's one of the things in the New Testament, you know, to speak through prophets and through different things. He was speaking now through his son. That's why we needed, you know, again, no more uh, uh, turtle doves and anything else once Jesus had come on the scene. So how does he speak to us? Through his word. Who is the word? The word is his son. Where was the word? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. All of those referring to See the connection? And so that's why this is so important and as we get to know him. But in that one portion that he's acting as Elohim, the Almighty God. And then now we're going to see him as El Elion as we go through, um, move forward. For every house that was built was built by someone, but he who built all things is God. So now we've been commissioned that we're building the world around us, right? But who were we built by? So it goes back, we were built by God. And so he's the, the creator of heaven and earth, and he's the creator of us. Second, he wrote that the Lord who remains the same, who remains the same, and whose years shall not fail, who is who shall be what he is, to whose word, therefore, we ought to give to the more earnest he, lest any times we let him slip. Hebrews 1.10 and 2.1, the Lord of Je or Jehovah is responding. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens and the work of your hands. 2.1 says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we heard, we have heard, lest we drift away. So, referring to, and let me share, that's important, you know, we got drifting occurring today and drifting of occurring in that day. Sure. Okay. Sure. 30s describe one who gives his spirit to men so the elect are partakers of his life. That's this this place where we are and what we're talking about tonight is really participating in God, hearing the voice of God, and walking into the presence of God to become a part of what it is. So his life can become a part of our life. And so we can become partakers 
of the everlasting life that he gives. That's the whole essence of learning and getting to understand the character of God so that I can figure out my new me personally, who we are, and how to walk with him, each of us. Um, and the multitude of names that he has. I could, if I did a survey in the room right now, uh, all the people in here would have a different um, perspective on where they met God and how God met them. Some may have had him recognizing him as El, 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 Elion. Somebody else, well, El, El, uh, as Jehovah. And somebody else uh, as Yahweh. You know, multiple names. That experience that we've had in our salvation, uh, I personally met him as El, Elion. <laughs> that's, my, that's my experience with him. So, and that's where we have to be talking about tonight. So, just to encourage you, listen, and, um, talking there and, and, and knowing the, um, who God is in the time we live, one, we're going to talk about some of the principles that consist in uh, his name and the work and what he wants to do. So, what he's saying in, uh, in substance is that you ought to consider the time you, you've been believers. Uh, and be able to go on from the first principle of doctrine of Christ, in which was milk for the baby, but go to a deeper truth, which is revelation. And that's the essence of why I've been spending weeks talking about the names of God. I want you to know I'm doing it on purpose. My purpose is that the different names, the greater your understanding is about the names, the more revelation can be revealed and unleashed to you because you can see them in all of these different facets. It's almost like looking through uh, a, a clear glass over here, then looking through a glass that's maybe smoked with blue, and then another glass that's maybe swirling with the different energies that get through it. All these different glasses, okay, give you a glimpse of the same thing that's in front of them, but from a different view or perspective. I'm not talking about a different God. He doesn't change like that. He doesn't that. I, I'm trying to use a reference of something to make you understand and to connect to what, how I'm explaining. Yes. Yes, that's it. So, you know, out of this is, is understanding. So we've got to get to a deeper truth of revelation, which is the meat for men who become full age. So the first principle consists of three things. Repent from the dead works. In other words, repent from works, dead works that you've done. That's it's a principle. And I gotta tell you something, when you learn to live by principle, these work. Principles can't be broken, but laws can. So if you follow principles, they have to produce whatever it is they say they produce. So he's saying to you, listen, though, the first principle is repent from dead works. This connection with Jehovah just the just and holy Lord. And then second, faith towards God. So what happened is, remember, Abraham is unsaved. How did he meet him? He had to repent from the dead works of what he was doing first. Then he followed God, faith towards God. He heard the voice of God. He believed God. He started to move towards God. So this takes us back to Elohim. He's changeless. His changeless love. He's reaching out to somebody who doesn't deserve it necessarily because it wasn't because he did everything right. It was just because he called them. And now he's responding by faith. And then thirdly, the certain fourfold doctrine of teaching as the baptism and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead is the, an eternal judgment. So listen, this takes us to a whole other way. Baptism is purification. So in other words, this, this going down and getting and being cleansed the water brings back and coming up is a cleansing from those spiritual cleansing. So this is just talking about principles that are necessary that we do as Christians. Okay, and in our walk. Go ahead. So repent from the dead works, but you need to move to those next phases so things can start to occur in your life. 
I want to choose my scenario is a car, a manual driving car. You don't stay in first gear. First gear just gets you going. But you shift to second so that it starts to roll a little smoother. And then you roll a little smoother and you get a higher speed, you gotta go to third gear. And then so you get then you and depending on how many years you got in the car, that's so you can be get to the maximum one. It is the same thing with your relationship with God. You, it starts one place, but it ends another. Hallelujah. So, and then the laying on of hands, gifts bestowed. Each one of us have gifts on the inside of us. Each one of us can call. I, you know, I'm, I'm still just amazed about the simple thing of a fingerprint. But the reason we all got one different because all of us got a different purpose. Yet, yet we're all called to him to do something and to be connected in some kind of way, but we've all been called. So the resurrection and eternal judgment very results in the work of God through the spirit of El Shaddai. The truth which comprises all the majority of Christians now considered essential are spoken by simplified first principles. It starts there. And then as we progress through, as Pastor Bruce said, not staying there. It's not the thing I got to keep doing over and over and over again. I never, if I keep going back to first gear, I'll never get to second. Can I say something too? Another thing is too, if you knew and you never really drove it before and you shift, to, you shift to a gear you ain't ready for, you can mess up the transmission and you stall. Well, if you shift to a gear that the car is not ready for, the car will stall out. Well, all of a Somebody referenced that. You shifted to a gear and you stalled out because you didn't go any further. The car cut off. It's called start the first works over again. <laughs> Getting back into the shifting of the gears. But to this place where you might need to be uh, and how important that is. So, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm excited about sharing this because it's been um, reassuring as I've seen God in these multiple facets of my own life personally over the years, it's great to know, you know, how he's continued the work to save today, yesterday, and forevermore. These attributes and characteristics were not just for time past. They're for time present. He's still El Elyon. He's still Elohim. He's still... Jehovah. He's still all of those things that we need him to be. He is still operative in it. And so I'm glad to be able to share that with you. Yes. To change. And so, and change is inevitable and through repentance. It is turned from my way to his way. I can't keep doing what I've always done to get to someplace else because I'll all, oh, if I don't change, I'll get what I've always had. My. And so, let me go there. So, in Romans, in the New Testament, he says, I beseech you, brother, that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. So it's what he's looking for. And he says, not to be conformed, but be he transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That So in Hebrews, he's conferring what he already said in Romans to back up because it's here that is, this is the biggest battle we have right now. He started to change. He, he was an idol worshiper. Now he's changing his perception and he's serving the Most High God. He gets revelation of the Most High God, El Elohim, or El Elyon, I'm sorry, El Elyon. He gets revelation of who he is through the changing process. And then when he meets Melchizedek, he sees God in him. 
He hears God because everything's going to be by sound, by the way. You're going to hear something and start to, it's going to resonate to your heart, to your spirit, and it'll change your mind. He kept what God had and went after the people and then brought the people out. Now, you can bring the people out, but now it's up to the people to do their work. But he's a representation of a leader that responds to the voice of God, walks with God, talks with God, and starts to show the people how to do that because he himself was new at it. So this is why we become the seed of Abraham. He's not later, way until he's 99, that he becomes the father of many nations. What I'm talking about is when he began his walk. And when he has this meeting here in 14, he, he meets Melchizedek at the beginning of his journey. He has communion with God in the beginning of his journey. He gets a tie at the beginning. So, I mean, he recognizes all this stuff. He has these experiences all of the kingdom and work that is relevant to you and I today. That's what, that's the most, this, this attribute of who God is to him at that point, but it, it's being revealed through an experience. And I'm saying, what have your experiences been? And if you really look back over your life, knowing, you know, it was God, I met God and did recognize Uh, you ever see somebody you knew, but you didn't really recognize them? You know, they're in your presence, and they, you don't know who they are, but they know who you are. <laughs> he knows exactly who you are, but you don't know who he is, and he's looking at you. You know, I've had those experiences, natural and in the spirit. You know, um, so listen, uh, it's, it's important, uh, as, as we know. Uh, actual knowledge, so... Reading this saying, verse I'm sorry, let me go back. These truths, which confronted them all the majority of Christians now considered essential spoken from the first principle, laying these, leaving these, and he says, Let us go unto perfection, and this, in which we he added, he will do if God permits. He also implies that God may not permit, Hebrews 6 3. So the, to acknowledge the actual knowledge of God that is revealed to us is that all men, saved or unsaved, and all angels, good or bad, are the sons of God. Oh. What you say? All the men and women. Let me help y'all here. Um, this is in the Bible. It's in the Word. Saved and unsaved are of God. I didn't say all of them would make it to heaven. I said they are of him. I want to tell you the other thing. All the angels, because he called them sons. Remember? Y'all remember he was in heaven? And he said, my sons gathered together. They were having a meeting. And then he said, oh, lo and behold, there was Satan. He called him a son. He was one of his that he created. So angels, by the way, are created beings. Hallelujah. What he did was place a seed inside of us so that now we can reproduce after our own kind. He produced life to give us the ability to reproduce life. So all we're doing is redoing what he already done. You'll get better. So it's important to know actual knowledge is to us and to all men, saved and unsaved, to all the angels, good and bad, are the sons of God. What the writer basically remarked is that God may not allow this, may, may not allow this knowledge, this need, to be given to all. So, again, so here's what I, I've been sharing for years. So, when he just said it's not being able to give to all, yet saved and unsaved belong to him, right? But only revelation those that's his so the more time you spend with him the more time you spend in his presence the 
already unveiled to you through the revelation. So that's what happens with the names and the characteristics and the attributes because the more he gets to do, the more you get to see, and then the more you get to recognize. There's a story in the New Testament that Jesus is returning after he had been crucified, and he's walking on the road. And with two men, he, he walks into town with them. He had been walking with them for more than eight hours. They don't know who he is. They just call him stranger. Until they sit down and break bread with him. When they go to eat, and how he sits down, and when he breaks bread, and when he, they now recognize, so re look at the word recognize, because connected to reveal. They recognize something about his mannerism and who he is and how he performs, that he had, he's not just a stranger. Yet, it, then it becomes revealed to them that it was God himself. That's after the resurrection, because he reveals himself to them. Now, he walked with them for eight hours. Okay? There you go. There was things and attributes and principles in which he did, and when he did them, he, they recognized who he was. The whole time walking, talking to him, they did not even know how many words you're saying, but to walk for eight hours, they did not know who they were walking with. So, in this declaration, speak the truth, it is true that all are the sons of God, but not all are the elect. So this is important. In the Old Testament, and not as the chosen in the New Testament. So there's two places. In the Old Testament, we refer to them as the elect. In the New Testament, we refer to them as the chosen. Now, I love this piece because I, this is one of my favorite pieces. The Bible tells me many are called, but few are chosen. And I said, okay, God, many years ago, what's the difference? And he showed me in his word. It's right there. The difference in the call and the chosen is the response to the word of God. Now, I can tell you Abraham was elect and chosen. How? Why? He responded to the word of God. So, we got so many people who've been called. Everybody got a call. But if you do nothing with it, you get nothing for it. But being chosen, called and chosen, now you respond. And when you respond, you can become what it is he said about who you are. But without the response, you will never become it. Oh, that's important if you were just listening to me, because if you never respond to the call, to become the chosen, you will never become who God intended you to be. That's what I'm sharing with you. El Elion is the God, the Most High God, and the God of the unsaved, as well as the saved. Because here he comes to you in, a, in, a, in that manner in which to receive you in the state that you are. So in an unsaved state, I can become saved. All I got to do is have a willingness. So you remember the first principle, and this is in the New Testament, the first principle is repent. So if I'm willing to confess my sins one before another and share about that, and then believe and confess out of my mouth that Jesus is my Lord, then I can come to this restate. an understanding of what redemption is all about. So Mark 5, 7 says, And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, Elohim? Oh no, El Elion. I implore you by God, Elohim, 
that you do not torment. Y'all don't know where this is? This is the New Testament. This is the man that they go across to the other side. And then Jesus says, I'll meet you, by the way, right before that. What happens? They're in a boat. The storm occurs. They get to the other side. Why? Because they were called to go to an unsaved man who was being tormented by what? Demons. The demons recognized Jesus when he showed up. This is powerful. Demons knew who he was. Because now they say, what do we have to do with you, Jesus, son of the Most High God? How they said, if you're Jesus is the son of the Most High God. They recognized that, right? El, El Elyon. Then they went on to say, I implore you by God. So they're now going to speak to him by God, right? Elohim. So this, so we see him as El Elyon, and we see him as Elohim. That you do not torment me. So David, Luke eight twenty eight says, when they saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him with a loud voice, and he says, "What do I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, El El Elyon? I beg you not to torment me." So we see it in one place in Mark. We see it in another place recorded in Luke. And so these are all in the gospel. And then in Genesis, so the demons recognized Jesus as the son of the Most High. These demons knew that he had supreme authority. That is why they pleaded with him, because he was the son of the Most High God. That indicates that everyone on earth and in the heavenlies is subject to the Most High God. Now that's he told us everything will have to bow to the, to, the, to, the, to the name of Jesus. So he's sharing here, everything is subject to his authority as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and then the Word was God. Does it get any more powerful than that? Genesis 14, 18 again, 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out the bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed them and said, Blessed be Abram of God, Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your dream. That experience, after being spoken to, and he just went through it, revealed to him who, because hold it, Melchizedek wasn't there doing the battle. But to show up into his presence afterwards and to acknowledge him, he recognized that was God. God and it was God's leading him. Speaking. I'm talking to y'all about revelation. He does it to people. He could have brought Melchizedek in any other way, but he brought him in the form of a king. Salem means peace. So he brought him as the king of peace. So he knew that he was talking to someone of, of, from the kingdom because he brought it. His name meant peace, or the, the land in which he was king over was the king of peace. Well, that ought to, that's a revelation in itself, the king of peace. So the name El Elyon, the Most High, has a special and distinctive sense. He is always used in the person of things, speaking in the highest, a series of order in like natures. Number one, if it's used, it, it is used of the highest basket or tier of the baskets. The nations high above all the nations. The king higher than other kings. The floors higher than other floors. Every time. So when you see this um, in El Elyon and in this place too, it's highest is in the highest series. Every time it's referred to, if something is already high, then it's the next high. It's higher than that. So I'm going to probably get to one more piece tonight, and then I'm going to end it here. The different words are used and said that the heavens are higher than the earth, and that the, the clouds are higher than the earth. The word Elion and Most High God are implied of God's reveals. So God revealing brings us to a higher place uh, with God, into the presence of God. And 
so that's where we want to be at. Uh, and I think myself personally love what the Word of God and the Bible today because when I open it, it reveals itself to me. It speaks to me, and it's encouraging. Even when I see things happen today, uh, it's able to I'm able to connect and relate and make it relevant to the people with which I uh, correspond with the things that I do because I'm able to see it in that manner. So tonight, El Elion uh, is the word we were using, uh, and I'm going to leave it there tonight. I'm going to end there uh, to soak in what we have got thus far. We will finish on this next week. There's actually more uh, for us to finish. It's actually there's quite a bit in El Elion. And again, we started out with... Uh, an introduction uh, to some of the different characteristics of who he is and then we went to knowing God as Elohim knowing him as Jehovah knowing him as El Shaddai and this week we are El Elyon so uh, there's uh, quite a few more that we're going to go to uh, that we will get to in the coming weeks uh, that will be proceeding. Amen? Well, God bless you. I love you. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Thank you for uh, listening to me, for being a part of what it is we're doing here uh, with the character of God. I pray that this word helps you in some kind of way to recognize who you are, but more than that, whose you are. Who do you belong to? Who created you? Why did he create you? And what did he create you for? And what do you want to do about it? That's where I want you to be. Those are the questions. I hope you go to sleep with tonight on your mind, on your heart, and prepare yourself for an answer. And then I want you to prepare to receive and do what it is received. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Again, uh, as the Lord is leading you, I know they may be bringing up on the screen how to give. You want to sow into the kingdom of God and the work we're doing here. We would love for you to do so. But we also would love to have your presence in this place. In this place, God's presence is inhabiting this room. I want you to be a part of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.